0: everyone. Welcome to Domino's new podcast, Design Time, where we explore spaces and places with meaning. I'm your host, Jessica Perez, Domino's Editor-in-Chief. Each week, join me along with creative visionaries who will share their journey to designing spaces that move you. We'll explore the emotional side of design, from the ritual of gathering, to a mood-boosting paint trick, to the renovation tips that will inspire your next project. Home is the best place to start exploring personal style. How do you shape your world from the inside out? Let's discover now on Design Time. You know at Domino, our team is obsessed with good design that actually functions for our lives, especially now. To help you create an inspiring space that truly works for you, Each week, we'll share fresh styling tips, products we love, and how we would use them, presented by our friends at Crate & Barrel. With soft curves, sculptural silhouettes, and textural details, the Parisian Art Deco movement is a team domino design favorite. Ease into the trend with a vintage-inspired piece like Crate & Barrel's Fayette bar cabinet. The fluted blonde wood doors add warmth to a space, while the grained white marble top lends a cool, durable functionality. We love the cabinet as a focal point in the dining room, styled with delicate glassware and carafes at different heights, or as an accent in the living room with statement art above. Nicole Gibbons is a pro at creating something so intuitive, you wonder how you ever lived without it. Starting out in fashion PR and working as an executive at Victoria's Secret, she switched career paths at the peak of her game to follow her true passion in interior design. Nicole got the stamp of approval from Oprah, appearing as a design expert on the O-Network. And all of that before Nicole launched her direct-to-consumer paint brand, Claire, which reimagines the colorful journey of sampling paint to realizing your dream palette. Backed by some of the same investors as Glossier, Everlane, and Reformation, the buzzy direct-to-consumer brand is intuitive, offering services like color match quizzes and -and peel-and-stick swatches. But Claire also taps into the emotional side of color with names like Current Mood, Chill, Dirty Martini, Summer Friday, and Sriracha, and cuts through the clutter with a super tight edit of shades. Nicole and I had so much to dig into for this episode, including how to curate color with confidence, why natural light is everything when choosing the right shade, and how some of the boldest color pairings can really change up your space. I'm so excited to share my conversation with Nicole with all of you. Hey Nicole, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Color is such a powerful vehicle to uplift us, to be a total mood booster, to really create huge impact in a space, even on a more limited budget. Your direct to consumer paint brand, Claire, was really created to empower people to own their decisions and to be more creative in their personal journey to crafting an inspiring home. Claire started, I think, in 2017. Correct.
1: Well, technically, we launched in 2018. So I worked Uh on the business quietly, you know, kind of like Beyonce Lemonade, no one had a clue. And then like, boom, we launched in, you know, July of end of July 2018. So we're almost two years old now. But um, prior to our launch uh, in 2018, I worked on the business um, for a year solo. Mm-hmm. Um, before raising capital. And then I raised capital and started building a small team. And then it was about seven months until we launched. So it took, you know, a little little more than a year and a half to get to market from like idea to, to like, you know, actual business being live. And it's been quite the journey.
0: Well, I wanna back up because I do wanna give a little over a brief overview of your career and your career trajectory and sort of where you started and how it got you to that point of launching Claire.
1: You know, I spent ten years working in PR um, in the fashion world, so a little bit different. But th- the best experience I gained there was really experience working inside a huge brand. You know, I was working for a multi-billion-dollar, you know, global retailer, and so Victoria's you know, Secret, right? Yeah, yeah, for Victoria's Secret. Um, you know, understanding how an organization at that scale operates was incredibly valuable. You know, I started that job fresh out of school. I started as an assistant, and by the time I left, I was global director of PR and events for the company. And while I was there, pretty early on, I really uncovered my passion for design. I started a blog um, in 2008. So it was in the very early days of blogging when there weren't very many blogs. The blogs were super grassroots, no one was monetizing them. You know, influencing was not a thing or a career. It was literally just a place where I talked about all the things that inspired me. And, you know, interestingly enough, Domino was such a huge source of inspiration back then. I was such a Domino junkie, and so I would write about like some of the like amazing interior designers that I'd learn about in Domino. Or here's what's happening in the latest issue. I was such a fan, still am. I spent all my all my free time working on my blog, and you know I was more excited after work to go to design industry events than I was fashion events. And when I started immersing myself in the design world, it was just such a warm community. I just loved the subject matter so much more than like fashion and. Um, so yeah. And so at the realm, the same time I started my blog, I also set up an LLC and, um, you know, the initial impetus was so that I could get trade discounts for my own home, <laughs> but it very quickly evolved into a, a legitimate business. And, and that was part of the intent too, but it was like, you know, if I don't have any real clients yet, I'll start with like, you know, using my own home as a showcase. Pretty much as soon as I started my blog, friends and friends of friends started asking for my help. Um, or friends would pass my name along to their friends who are looking for help with their spaces. And I started taking on you know, teeny tiny design projects um, and just kind of dabbling on the side. But that was all during the 2008, 2009, like the, the height of the recession. Mm-hmm. I was pretty committed that I was not leaving my day job. It was sort of just like a thing I was going to dabble in until the environment felt right. I just kept doing my thing on the side and I ended up doing the side hustle thing for five years before I finally left. Um, And so in 2013 is when I left to focus on building my business full-time.
0: And what would you say was your kind of vibe or design philosophy? I mean, obviously color is
1: very important to you. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, your home and your personal style will evolve over time. And, you know, I do think your space is one of the most personal reflections of of you. And, um, you know, this idea that over time your home will evolve and change and ebb and flow and you can't just marry to one style. I've also never subscribed by this idea of following design rules or even following trends. Like, yes, there are certain things that become trendy, but, The idea that you should, you know, this thing is hot right now, so everybody needs to go out and buy that one thing. I never really felt that that was a premise that I subscribed to. I think you should only buy that one thing if it fits your personal style and if it speaks to you and if it, you know, coordinates with, you know, kind of the vibe in your home. And I do think that
0: that ties back to the ethos of Claire. I think that this freedom and this joy that you bring to the notion of paint which we'll dive into a little more but just that it should make you happy it should not be this binding serious you know stressful decision that there should be real joy in shopping for paint and that should be very expressive and fun and feel like you
1: yeah yeah i mean i think that's exactly right and i really believe in choosing colors, not only based on what speaks to you, but also based on what works well in your specific environment. You know, light is one of the most important considerations. Any interior designer, when they're choosing color, they're going to consider the light as part of that, you know, that color choice. How will the light impact how this color is perceived in this room? And then, you know, on top of that, when you think about the average homeowner, they're not starting from a blank slate and buying everything new from scratch, they're working with what they already have. And so making sure that the colors that you choose also, you know, kind of jive with um, the existing colors that are in your space, whether it's your furniture, accents, or things you already
0: own. And I think the other piece is this notion of curation of color, because I think that it is also extremely overwhelming when you are choosing between thousands of paint colors and you know, you don't even know where to turn and there's not actually an edit. One of the things I love about you is you, I think you truly think like an editor and that is very much clear in your brand because I think the curation of colors is very empowering too because it, it gives you a starting point that's not so completely overwhelming.
1: Yeah. If you want something as simple as a white paint and you go to any other brand or paint store, there are literally hundreds of white paints to choose from. And when I was thinking about, you know, how I approach my work as an interior designer and any other interior designer, no one is going to the paint store trying to decide between thousands of colors. Designers curate and we edit and we already have our roster of the best of the best colors from each palette. And so I essentially kind of took all of my experience as an interior designer and, and channeled that into curating a color palette that I knew people would really love, but also one that kind of cuts through the clutter. So instead of having to choose from hundreds of whites, we picked the best cool white, the best warm white, the best clean neutral white with no undertones and a, and a true off white. And that's all you ever really need. Um, so the idea is just really taking the guesswork out of the process of choosing colors, you know, um, hopefully. Um, projecting that we do have a sense of authority that you can trust, and so that people will 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 trust our our color curation, and um, having a much more limited palette really streamla- streamlines that decision making process.
0: Absolutely, and I think even just the language you use to describe it, like you know, cool whites and warm whites, I think there is just an approachability to how you describe color and in a way that people can really understand.
1: Yeah. And we also try to make it really fun. So our whites have really fun names like our clean, bright white is Fresh Kicks, you know, like your favorite pair of sneakers straight out of the box or, um, you know, Snow Day. I'm sure anyone who grew up in a colder climate can relive the glory of like not having school and like just being outside playing in the snow. And all of the color names are meant to be really fun, evoke an emotion.
0: And what would you say is right now, like your number one kind of mood booster color in your palette? It's actually current mood. Um, <laughs> and I love that one. Yeah. I mean, I attached that one. We're, we're all about current mood.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what it is because like our, our top sellers are actually, you know, not surprisingly pretty neutral, safe color choices. But w- if you step outside of that box, our current mood is our best seller that's not a neutral. Um, and it's actually quite surprising because it's such a, a, a deep, rich, moody color. And most people are, are not so adventurous when it comes to color. It's a deep green, but it's like, it's not so deep, right? Like depending on the light, it could read a little bit more medium um, or or medium to dark. Um, And it just has such a beautiful tone to it. You know, it's one of those like wow factor colors.
0: It's a neutral, but it's like bold.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, I think certain dark colors really can read as neutral like it pairs well with a lot of other other colors and you know, it really brings the drama to your space. So mm-hmm. if you want to create a home where someone walks through the door and goes, "Wow," a white paint probably isn't going to do that, but a color like current mood is really going to going to kind of add that drama that makes people, you know, kind of drop their jaw when they walk through your your door kind of how I've brought my, my design authority into the process is, you know, one thing I noticed um, in my career was, you know, when my clients, when I was working with clients and I was recommending paint colors, I never once had clients say, show me more colors right like go back and get more swatches or have the contractor paint more boards right it was they trusted my choices one kind of magic ability that i think designers have is to envision things when they're not actually real you know like we can envision what things will look like in a space before the space comes together but an the average person can't and they really need that example
0: i mean i love that because i think that's what makes the brand so powerful it's like you are kind of getting the benefit of hiring a designer without hiring a designer, because you have Nicole behind the brand, right? And then you're also getting a highly curated editorial vision there as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Amazing. I love that. So when you closed your funding for Claire, you were one of uh, 34 black female founders uh, to close more than a million dollars of capital funding. What was that fundraising process like?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It was like a long learning process. You know, it wasn't like I knew what to do and and had a roadmap. And so I knew like, okay, I have to go out and raise some money. How am I going to do that? What's the plan to get there? You know, ultimately, I think a big part of fundraising is just being really, really well prepared. So in order to raise capital, also it's very difficult to raise capital before you have a product. So my process what involved like really creating a sense of what the brand could look like. So we did a lot of sample branding, um, a lot of uh, like mock-up of what a homepage might look like. You know, I put a lot of thought into kind of the brand, um, even before the financials and all the other things that you need t- to have in order to, to to raise funding. And then after that, you know, had to you know, build out a supply chain, and we had to have suppliers, and build out a financial model, and know exactly how much every single component of building this business will cost. Um, as much as you can when you're when you're just making an assumption, you know, kind of pre pre-launch, and you know, uh, you get a lot of no's, and you know, unless you have a really thick skin, I think those no's can be, you know, really demoralizing for a lot of people. But I really just saw. Each meeting and each no um, as an opportunity to to kind of strengthen my pitch and and um, address concerns and whatnot and yeah like by the end of it I ended up with a really great group of investors and things um, things worked out. I do want
0: to talk about in our current environment where you know we are spending more time at home and also as people are reevaluating their work situations, their work environments, so many more people are going to be working at home. So color is such a powerful vehicle. What colors do you feel kind of inspire
1: productivity, at least for you? Um, For me, I like a really clean environment. Um, I I need my head to feel clear. And so I look for colors that have a really fresh clean feel. So a couple of colors from the Claire palette that come to mind are um, Chill. Chill is a very, very, very pale gray that has a hint of green in it. And so it's like just a touch of color, but it feels really airy, really calm, really tranquil. So a color like that I think would be perfect. A really calming neutral. Um, we have a couple of really popular neutrals at Claire: Penthouse and Classic um, are two colors. So I think anything that really helps you clear your mind color theory suggests that shades of pink also can help improve like, you know, focus and concentration and productivity. So, you know, there's a really pale pink in our palette called Wing It that um, people love. It's um, it's a pink that depending on how you kind of what you style around it could feel really sophisticated and adult. And, and so that's another great color to, to consider. But I personally am drawn to really kind of just clean, fresh colors because I need the environment around me to feel just really airy and, and just sort of spacious so I can think.
0: But I would say, actually, that is an overarching feeling to your palette, is they are very clean, very kind of like pure colors.
1: Yeah, and when you have thousands of colors in your palette, there's no way to keep the colors really clean and pure, right? What ends up happening to create these different nuances of colors is you add lots of different colorants and pigments, and the colors get more complex. The undertones get more complex. So the colors become less fresh and harder to understand, which is why you might think you're buying a shade of gray and you put it on your wall and it looks totally purple. It's because there's all these different pigments that make up that color. So, did you work with any color experts in developing the line? Um, we, we had some support, but a lot of, it, honestly, a lot of my approach came from just looking at what are all the problems with the world of paint today and how might we fix it? So like th- that whole kind of process that I just described came from my realization that like, why are these undertones so complicated and how can we fix that?
0: What work do you think people should do before they even look at colors? Like, what kinds of things should people think about? What should the decision-making process look like?
1: Yeah, I honestly don't think you have to do that much work. I think that most people come into painting their space with an idea of what they want. It's like, I know I want a neutral, I know I want it to feel fresh, or I know I have a blue sofa and I want something that complements that. And then I'd say for the person who is buying that new house or has lots of rooms to paint and doesn't know where to start, that's when the expert guidance really matters. Because then you're getting into not just how do I choose a color, but how do I choose a palette of colors that flows seamlessly from room to room? And then what trim color do I pair with my walls and all of these things? There's a lot more decisions to make when you're painting a whole house than if you're just picking a color to paint walls in one room.
0: I think that point is really important because we do think a lot about those transitional spaces. So like how one room flows to the next, or, you know, we've been doing a lot of, you know, really fun stories about being bolder with your trim actually, and like painting your baseboards in a bolder color yes. if you don't want to commit to like painting a room in a, you know, really strong, solid color. Um, you know, we, I, I, all of these paint ideas that I think, you know, whether you don't want to paint a whole room or you don't necessarily have the budget to do that, you know, painting a door, painting a door frame, the baseboards, the trim, like we really do want to inspire people to embrace those really fun paint ideas. Um, And I think it's a really nice place to experiment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I love that. Like I love, first of all, I've always been a person that's not afraid of color and love working with you know, more adventurous uses of color. So I love encouraging people to step outside the box because like going with the safe choice, you're not going to be disappointed, right? But if you push yourself outside of that box and you make a little bit more of a daring color choice, you're going to love it so much more than if the room was just white.
0: What is a fun idea for painting an accent um, that you really like? If people aren't comfortable or oftentimes if, you know, it's a couple making a decision or roommates making a decision on on paint, some, that can be very divisive. What is a kind of fun um, accent application of paint that
1: you really like? My number one is actually is going to sound quite boring, but I have an admission, which is before I started Claire, I would never advocate for accent walls. I used to say that accent walls are for people who are afraid of committing to a color, just paint the whole room, right? I actually think an accent wall is a great way to dip a toe in the color water. It will still dramatically change the look of a space. So if you have a white room and you do one wall of bold color, it's still going to look much more interesting than if the room were just white. And now there's, though, although you could call this somewhat of a trend, but there's so many different interesting ways that you can... Uh, create an accent wall. You don't have to just paint the box, uh, you know, the, the, the four lines of your, your rectangular or square wall. Um, I love really interesting geometric shapes. You could literally divide your wall in half and have the top half be one color and the bottom half be another color and kind of color block your walls. Um, I also love this idea of literally doing a diagonal on a, on a, on a rectangular or square wall and doing sort of like a diagonal, um, uh, kind of block of color um, as an accent, which is also super interesting. I also love the idea of trying trim colors that are not white. I think white trim will always be classic, but if you really want to wow or have that you know accent that really you know changes the feel of the room, try a different shade that 's not white on your on your trim and you would be surprised at what a difference it could make in your space and even even like another opposite neutral of white like black I think black trim with the right in the right space can look so sophisticated oh so sophisticated yeah
0: I love that people are embracing even the split wall because I do think um you know creating that horizon line also creates a really nice framework for furniture too yeah um, and also is a really nice way if you do have one long continuous wall is a nice way to kind of break the eye a bit. Um, in in a really you know larger wall or space because um, I, I think that's that's really, really nice. I love seeing how people are embracing the combination of of wallpaper and paint yeah, in really interesting bold ways because I think that's another way to just, You know, everyone's like, oh, I'm going to put up this wallpaper. I'm going to do that. And then they kind of forget about the trim or the baseboards. And it's like, no, that actually can bring the whole thing to life.
1: Yeah. I've always loved wallpaper. I grew up in a house that was fully wallpapered. Um, And the combination of a beautiful color paired with a beautiful pattern is so impactful in a room. So yeah, I I love, you know, seeing beautiful examples of, of sort of beautifully painted trim paired with, with a wall covering that is really stunning. And, you know, there, there's so many fun ways to use paint. Color is
0: obviously very empowering and it is also, you know, a fairly quick transformative tool, right? I mean, essentially you can transform your space in a day, in a weekend, you know, you you can, you can create high impact in a fairly, short period of time and relative to so many other categories in design for a relatively attainable budget.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of the easiest and least expensive things that you can do to dramatically change your space and you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to do it. And all it takes is a little bit of, a little bit of elbow grease, you know, and some free time and that transformative you know, power of paint, both in terms of how it transforms your space, but also how you feel when you walk into that space, is you know, there's literally nothing else that can create that kind of um, sort of transformation. And so, color is such a powerful tool.
0: Okay, you've painted your walls. You've gone, you know, to that effort. What is the next thing you should do to bring that paint to life?
1: So. I think one element of design that's also overlooked, maybe almost as much as paint, but maybe not quite, is lighting. Um, I think that lighting, and I don't mean in terms of the like color and tone of the light itself, but like light fixtures and lamps and like all different applications of lighting, tend to be underestimated in terms of how much they can change your space. Um, you think of, like, I think of paint as being like the foundation and your furniture also, I think about that as being a little bit more like the foundation. Find a really stunning piece of lighting, whether it's a ceiling light fixture, a table lamp, because while it's underestimated, it could really create a wow factor in your room. Like even if you have a neutral sofa and throwing a a set of um, throw pillows on that sofa that have like a bold... Color or pattern is so impactful. All the like, I actually have more fun accessorizing a space because, like, that's where you really bring in a lot of your personality as well as like through your artwork, through your accessories, etc.
0: I also think like paint a room and hang an impactful piece of art. And I do not mean it has to be expensive, but you know, whether you're a gallery wall person or not, or you're a large scale, you know, artwork person or a textile or something that has impact. You can transform a space literally in a day. Yeah. Yeah. it's And that's really empowering.
1: Yeah. And you know, my favorite little trick is just fresh flowers. Like I love fresh flowers and I used to w- like to say I would buy fresh flowers every week, but that never happened and was like way too expensive. But since um, since I've been on lockdown, I've been going to the bodega, like maybe every 10 days or so. They're $6 a bunch and all these other little variations of wildflowers, which names I do not know. And just having these little pops of life around my space Make it feel so much more alive. So, having like a little bit of life in your space can really make a big impact. Having
0: nature in your space, I mean, it can truly energize the space. Okay, you're amazing. I could talk to you forever. Last thing I wanted to touch on, because we are all very aware that the design industry is a serious diversity problem. And, and you know, you being a woman of color in the design industry, can you speak to your experience and also as a female founder ways that you are trying to impact change and and use your voice in the industry?
1: yeah, I mean it's kind of a, a such a loaded topic I, I don't have the answers in all the way to like create more diversity in the industry, but I do think similar to any other industry, like having more diversity um, and if we're speaking specifically about Black people, but really diversity in general, you need to diversify the decision makers at the organizations that are, you know, kind of movers and shakers in the design world. So if the customers you're serving are diverse, you have to have that reflected in your your teams and especially at, at the leadership level. And, you know, we, even just thinking about interior design and designers specifically, I think a lot of whom has the power... To help those talented designers become more successful is media, right? Design media. You know, it's kind of sad. I was talking to someone recently and I was trying to name all of the Black editors at all of the publications that I could think of. I literally could only think of two. I think it's going to really start with putting more diverse decision makers and leaders in organizations. That's the, the best way to create change. Um, because otherwise what ends up happening, and I know this to be true, because I know so many of my friends in the industry who are incredibly talented and grow frustrated with the lack of recognition for their work. And they literally have to like kind of fight to have their seat at the table and fight to have their work recognized. And, um, you know, I think if you had a little bit more diversity around around the leadership tables, it'd be a lot easier um, to um, create a a broader mix of people to feature. And um, yeah, and I I think the other thing is just um, less talk, more action. I just think there needs to be real action plans in place. Um, And we live in in an age, particularly of social media, where people are now holding brands accountable. People are now holding companies accountable. And what you say, you really have to stand behind.
0: Absolutely, because we do want to make sure that we're representing different voices. But I do think that the place that we come from with Domino and the opportunity we have to really impact change with telling diverse stories is that we are about, of course, we're about interior designers, but we're also about real people and personal narrative. And I think that people obviously come to us for ideas and inspiration, but they do come to us for ideas and inspiration from real people. And if we can amplify real voices on our platform, I mean, that can make a career that can, you know, share a diverse point of view and a different point of view. And I don't just mean Black. I mean, you know, socioeconomic across all categories, age diversity, you know, um, sexual orientation. We have the opportunity to tell those different stories and we are holding ourselves accountable. And I think because we, we really do
1: wanna dive into personal narrative, we can go deeper with that storytelling. I think we all just collectively have to do a lot of work and it's, it's gonna take a lot of real intention and um, effort um, for anything to change. Even when it comes to like design experts or you know people whose work is featured for many years, you just kind of saw the same people over and over getting all the covers, getting all the features, getting all the, you know, and I think that there's, like I said, there's, there's so many talented, talented people all across America, whose work deserves to be showcased. And so now there's the beautiful world of the internet where you can discover so many incredible, talented people through like Instagram or, you know, Pinterest. Totally.
0: In challenging times, we lean on the things that support us, uplift us, and make us happy. In this signature franchise, Domino editors ask our guests, quick fire style, about the 10 things that are making them happy, from the books that inspire them to the personal items that tell their story to the places they love to eat, travel, and feed their soul. First of all, we know that one of the missions of Claire is to bring happiness and joy into people's spaces via color. So I wanna focus on what are the 10 things that make you happy? Um, so who are your design heroes or who is your design hero?
1: So, I mean, there's so many designers that I admire, but I, 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 I always reference Billy Baldwin, especially when I was running my design firm. So he um, had such a fresh way of arranging rooms. And I think his, his interiors for the time um, were so kind of modern and, and ahead of his time. And I would always go back to his books and um, his work when I was trying to come up with like really interesting furniture layouts. And he was like, for people who don't know who he is, he was like huge and like the, I don't know, like 60s and 70s, more, probably more in the like 60s um, and into the 70s. But yeah, he had just such a fresh way of arranging furniture. Um, but there's a lot of contemporary designers I really admire too. Like I love Windsor Smith. I've always been such a fan of her work. Um, and I love Peter Dunham. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of California designers. When I think of like more modern modern day designers, it's like a lot of Cali, Cali designers whose work I really admire. Because
0: I think we also need that energy in New York a little bit. The like, Cali inspiration
1: too. Favorite color. Okay. I, we're going to go with Penthouse from Claire, which is like the perfect pale shade of grayish. It's super, super light. And that's the main color in my home. Um, I have it in my living room and it's just the perfect neutral.
0: Amazing. What is your f- current color? favorite color pairing? And I'm sure you have tons of them, but what are you (laughs) loving right now?
1: I know there's so many. Well, I keep going back to current mood, our our rich moody green, um, because it's just such a stunning color. And pairing that with a beautiful warm white like whipped is such a great combo.
0: Favorite material of the moment or favorite texture? So...
1: I mean, I have two, two. like one, I'm kind of really, it's it's like totally trending and coming back, but I'm really into like the woven cane vibe. Um, I think it feels really fresh. I'm like sitting at my dining table right now doing this interview and I'm like, I just love the, the texture that these cane chairs add t- to my space. But then what I think is like a timeless combo that will always like... M- Work no matter what is just the combination of linen and velvet as textiles. Like I just love that combo. It's in almost every space I design, um, and I think the combo of linen and velvet is will never go out of style. I'm very inspired
0: by nubby, textured upholstery. Uh, I think it's just like it's everything. Yeah, I mean it comes back to that tactile. You know what? What your the materials in your space can make you feel. Um, favorite restaurant? And where is it?
1: My favorite restaurants tend to be just like the places that I eat all the time, which are like local neighborhood joints, which are pretty, you know, no one would ever ever heard of. But um, I'm a huge ramen fan. I love ramen. It is like my ultimate comfort food. And so I love Apudo in New York. Um, They have a few locations and it's like my favorite ramen spot.
0: Okay. Favorite restaurant interior, favorite interiors that inspire you?
1: So I think the Soho houses have such impeccable interiors. And um, literally, no matter which location, every Soho house interior is so stunning. And it's just such an inspiring space. And um, so I'd definitely say any of the Soho houses.
0: Because they also do have such a strong sense of place, even though there's a common thread in the design there, there is a sense of Okay. This is this locale. This is this place. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's really strong. Favorite design object of the moment.
1: Um, I love. So I mentioned I've been buying lots of fresh flowers. I love really interesting vases that have like cool geometry to them. So I think like those can make such a statement in a room. And um, so, yeah, I've been, I've been buying lots of new vases since I've been on quarantine. (laughs) And so many good vintage options too. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And bowls. I'm also really into bowls, like, like where you can like have like a bowl of lemons or oranges or um, like little footed bowls. I think those also can be really, really interesting objects to, to have in your space.
0: And functional. Um, Favorite plant or flower? I love a good old fashioned peony. Still a favorite. I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) So good. (laughs) Yeah. So good. I mean, they just they make you happy and they are so they're so impactful.
1: Yeah. I love like just feminine looking flowers. So, yeah. Um, Favorite vintage source
0: or home focused retail?
1: Um, So I love Etsy and I love First Dibs for Vintage. I just do everything online. I was trying to think of an in real life option, which would probably just be like a flea market. Um, But um, Etsy and First Dibs are ones that I just go back to over and over.
0: And just I think I, I do go back to that with Etsy and First Dibs. Like you really can educate yourself on design by just diving into those resources.
1: Favorite way to unwind I'm going to go with baking. I love to bake Um, and the actual like art of baking for me is not about like actually eating the thing. It's about the process of making the thing. And for whatever reason for me, it's so relaxing. Like, especially like I've been really on quarantine into baking like doughs and breads. And I just made the like cinnamon date sticky buns from Bon Appetit that everyone's been like, that have kind of gone viral. And just Mm -hmm. like (laughs) the art of just like making dough is so therapeutic. Um, And so
0: it really is. It's science. Yeah. Too. I yeah. Mean, it's like, you know, transforming something.
1: Yeah. So I love
0: that. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's- amazing to talk to you. I could talk to you forever. So impressed with the brand and everything you're doing. Thank you for being such an inspiration in the community, honestly.
1: I've been the biggest Domino super fan since forever. So I love you guys and um, I'm so grateful for all of your support. I want to thank our sponsors, Crate
0: & Barrel, for supporting this podcast.
1: There's so much new for fall at Crate & Barrel from a bold collection inspired by global design cities to a remix of classic Prairie School style. It's all online and in stores now.
0: Design Time is produced by Team Domino with special thanks to Alex Redgrave, Linda Denahan, Liz Mundell, Britt Ashcraft, and Ali Elquiza. Our theme music is by the talented Alex Weinstein. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you guys right here next week on Design Time.